Welcome to The Daily Bite. I'm your host, Pastor Steve Andrews. We look at Ruth chapter 2 together. Now Naomi had a relative of her husband's, a worthy man of the clan of Elimelech, whose name was Boaz. And Ruth the Moabite said to Naomi, Let me go to the field and glean among the ears of grain after him, in whose sight I shall find favor. And she said to her, Go, my daughter. So she set out and went and gleaned in the field after the reapers, and she happened to come to the part of the field belonging to Boaz, who was of the clan of Elimelech. And behold, Boaz came from Bethlehem, and he said to the reapers, Yahweh be with you. And they answered, Yahweh bless you. Then Boaz said to his young man who was in charge of the reapers, Whose young woman is this? And the servant who was in charge of the reapers answered, She is the young Moabite woman who came back with Naomi from the country of Moab. She said, Please let me glean and gather among the sheaves after the reapers. So she came, and she has continued from early morning until now, except for a short rest. And Boaz said to Ruth, Now listen, my daughter, do not go to glean in another field or leave this one, but keep close to my young women. Let your eyes be on the field that they are reaping and go after them. Have I not charged the young men not to touch you? And when you are thirsty, go to the vessels and drink what the young men have drawn. Then she fell on her face, bowing to the ground, and said to him, Why have I found favor in your eyes that you should take notice of me, since I am a foreigner? But Boaz answered her, All that you have done for your mother-in-law, since the death of your husband, has been fully told to me, and how you left your father and mother and your native land, and came to a people that you did not know. Yahweh repay you for what you have done, and a full reward be given you by Yahweh, the God of Israel, under whose wings you have come to take refuge. And then she said, I have found favor in your eyes, my Lord, for you have comforted me and spoken kindly to your servant, though I am not one of your servants. And at mealtime Boaz said to her, Come here and eat some bread and dip your morsel in the wine. So she sat beside the reapers, and he passed to her roasted grain, and she ate until she was satisfied, and she had some left over. When she rose to glean, Boaz instructed his young men, saying, Let her glean even among the sheaves, and do not reproach her, and also pull out some from the bundles for her, and leave it to her to glean, and do not rebuke her. So she gleaned in the field until evening. Then she beat out what she had gleaned, and it was about an ephah of barley. And she took it up and went into the city. Her mother-in-law saw what she had gleaned. She also brought out and gave her what food she had left over after being satisfied. And her mother-in-law said to her, Where did you glean today? And where have you worked? Blessed be the man who took notice of you. So she told her mother-in-law with whom she had worked and said, The man's name with whom I work today is Boaz. Naomi said to her daughter-in-law, May he be blessed by Yahweh whose kindness has not forsaken the living or the dead. Naomi also said to her, The man is a close relative of ours, one of our redeemers. And Ruth the Moabite said, Besides, he said to me, You shall keep close to my young men, close by my young men, until they have finished all my harvest. And Naomi said to Ruth, her daughter-in-law, It is good, my daughter, that you go out with his young women, lest in another field you be assaulted. So she kept close, to the young women of Boaz, gleaning until the end of the barley and wheat harvest. And she lived with her mother-in-law. This is the word of the Lord. So as we begin to look at our text here, 
Again, we noticed the sizable difference in character between Naomi and Ruth yesterday, but we might be seeing a shift for Naomi as, as things turn a little bit more favorable back home in Bethlehem. We start with a, a family member, Boaz, a worthy man, uh, good, respectable, those kinds of adjectives might be applied there. And we're going to learn later that he's a redeemer, and that's going to be a key phrase, but we'll come back to that. At first, Naomi, uh, well, Ruth, asks Naomi to allow her to go. Um, so showing respect as though Naomi is her mother, uh, as a mother-in-law, showing that respect of family. She asks for permission to go and glean among the ears of grain. This connects to Deuteronomy chapter 24, verse 19. The, the law of God commanded that when you were reaping your harvest, Basically, you just go through your field, you reap, and you don't turn back. If you miss something, just leave it. It's for the sojourner, for the fatherless, for the widow. The scraps of your field are going to care for those people. They can wander around Israel and, and find enough food that they can survive. That's kind of the picture that we get here. And so she's asking that she can do this. And where? Well, in <laughs> wherever she can find where they'll let her, and who, whose sight I find favor. Now, Naomi gives her permission to go. Naomi herself does not go. Perhaps this is a reference to her age, and she's too old. Um, it's a possibility. Best construction possibility there. As we get to verse 3, Ruth sets about the work. And as she's working, she manages to make it to the field of Boaz. And, and the phrasing here in Hebrew, happened to come to the part of the field belonging to Boaz, shows that this is not intentionality on her part. Like, Naomi didn't set this up. Naomi didn't have her go to Boaz intentionally. Ruth just went about, and by chance, this is where she ended up. You know, again, on her part. And the Lord's hand um, guides, cares for his people. So we shouldn't discount that part. Now, as Boaz came to his workers, he greets them. Yahweh be with you. They answered, Yahweh bless you. Uh, when you put in the words, the Lord, instead of Yahweh, those phrases probably sound very familiar. The Lord be with you. And as Lutherans, we answer, and also with you. Or, the Lord bless you. Or, God bless you. The Lord bless you also. Those kinds of phrases. Talk about those with your kids. Um, bring your kids in on that conversation. These are common Christian greetings. Where do you hear these things? And maybe we can expand the use of these things outside of just being in the church. Um, I had a chance to interact with just a family I don't know. Um, they invited me to do a funeral, not a funeral, but a committal, a burial. Um for one of our brothers in Christ who had been shut in for a time. And one of the funeral home workers, never met her before. I don't know if I'll ever see her again. But as I was leaving, I thanked them for caring for that family, for serving that family. And I said, the Lord be with you. And without skipping a beat, she responded, and also with you. So... You know, the, the idea of faith, tradition there, 
it was just an encouraging thing to hear her say um, when I wasn't what I expected to hear. So may we make that a bigger part of our life together. Uh, may your children make that a part of their life as they grow up. Let's use greetings um, to have, have, have the Lord involved in them. Greetings and blessings, and let's speak these things to one another. Verse 5, Boaz asks the, the head of his reapers, um, basically, who is this? He, he says, whose? So to what family does this woman belong? He's not sure why this woman is in his field at this point yet. And the answer is that she's a Moabite woman, which, before we go on, means she's both a widow and a sojourner. We mentioned earlier the sojourners, the fatherless, and the widows would be the ones who do this gleaning. Uh, she's two out of the three. And I guess you could even say she's fatherless, but she's she's living in, in Naomi's home. She's fatherless in the sense that she has abandoned her family to join this family, and the father of this household would have been Elimelech, who has passed away. So she almost fits all three categories Though fatherless tends to refer to the very young, to the orphan child, and she's at least at least a teenager. Um, she could be in her twenties, depending on if if that ten year reference in chapter one was the idea that she had been married for ten years. Uh, it's not clear quite how long she had been married. So, anyway, she is the Moabite woman who came back with Naomi from the country of Moab. So the introduction to Boaz of who this is, no name though, Ruth is not mentioned. And we do get the idea that she's been working hard uh, from early morning until now with just a short rest. Verse 8, uh, Boaz speaks to her and shows her the favor she was hoping for when she had talked to Naomi before. He shows her kindness. He offers to care for her, provide for her. Um, you know, stay close to my young women. So basically be a part of his, his household here is the invitation. He charges his young men to stay away from her. That's a reference to safety, to not touch her. Uh, and Naomi pulls out that reference in verse 22 that she would be might be assaulted if she went to a different field. Um, she's going to be protected here. She's going to be cared for. And then more than that, she can go and, and whenever she's thirsty... The young men will have drawn water, and she can drink of that, uh, whatever they have already prepared, which is, again, fortune, fortunate for favorable for her. And she, she asks the obvious question, why have I found favor in your eyes? Why would you treat me like this? Boaz's response is really kind of the, the focus of this chapter almost. All that you have done for your mother-in-law since the death of your husband has been fully told to me. So the faithfulness of Ruth in chapter 1, um, coming up here, you can review that if you'd like to as a family. And how you left your father and mother and your native land came to a people that you did not know before. And not just that, but also God. Not just people, but the God that she had not known before. And she's coming into God's household, part of God's family, which is the biggest part of all this. Yahweh repay you for what you have done, and a full reward be given you by Yahweh, the God of Israel, under whose wings you have come to take refuge. Now, notice the faithfulness of Boaz in that comment. 
as she has come from a foreign country, she is now sojourning in this place with nothing. She is under Yahweh's care. Um, the picture of wings, like almost like Jesus in, in the Gospel of Matthew, as he laments in chapter 3 over Jerusalem, and he says, essentially, you know, how I longed like a hen to gather its brood under her wings, how, how Jesus would have brought them in under himself he would have cared for them that's the picture here too as a bird cares for its young so so god is going to care for her and boaz is going to be the instrument he's going to be the means by which god does that so again faithfulness on boaz's behalf as well here and a full reward be given to her for her faithfulness and that's going to be true i mean the ultimately the full reward for faithfulness for our trust in the lord for her faith is salvation, and she receives that in her great grandson Jesus, no, uh, the heir of the throne. So the great, 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 great—I don't know how many greats—grandson Jesus is going to be there, um, but she's part of the lineage of Christ. The great grandson is David. Sorry. So in verse thirteen, she acknowledges that this has been comforting to hear, and that Boaz has spoken kindly to her as a servant, even though he's not her servant. She is speaking to her that well. He is speaking to her that well. Not only that, he then offers her a meal at mealtime. So at lunchtime, he offers her food, and not just scraps, like actually the cooked grain. She's been gathering the raw stuff all day. He's got some cooked, and he feeds her. Which is, you know, you think of the servant. Normally the servant feeds the master, makes the meal for the master. Here the master made the meal for her, or at least provided the meal to her. And Boaz gives the instruction to his men that they are to pull out from their bundles. So you've got the the men who are out there reaping, they're harvesting, they're, they're putting it into their bag, their bundles that they're building up together so that they can take it back to the storehouse and well, probably the threshing floor and then the storehouse. And essentially he's saying, just, yeah, take some out of their, out of your bundle and drop it, leave it for her. So he's being extra generous to, to Ruth and leaving more behind for her to care for her and instructing the men not to send her away, not to despise her or rebuke her. So we learn the outcome of the day. She works the whole day through, and when we get to evening, she beats out the gleanings. Um, so the idea of separating the the actual part of the the harvest that you would be able to cook or eat, of the barley part there from the plant itself, um, she makes that that work happen, and she ends up with a whole lot more than scraps. Uh, she ends up with an effa of barley, which is 5.8 gallons, so roughly six gallons of barley here that she has, um, which a little digging on the internet told me that's perhaps 10 days worth of food, so divide that across two people, five days. You know, one day's labor got her almost a week's worth of food for her and her mother-in-law, is another way to look at that, both from her diligence and also from Boaz's generosity and the Lord overseeing it all. As she returns to Naomi, she gives her the leftover meal um, from lunch. Naomi asks where she cleaned and then rejoices. I mean, there's a prayer of thanksgiving. Blessed be the man who took notice of you. Um, she's thankful for what has been done to her daughter-in-law. In verse 20, another of Naomi's prayers, just like chapter 1, verse 9, except for this one's faithful. 
Um, she's praying a blessing upon her relative Boaz coming from Yahweh and acknowledging that her that he has not forsaken the living or the dead. Um, that's Yahweh, by the way, that hasn't forsaken. The living, referring to Naomi and Ruth. The dead, referring to Elimelech, Malin, Killian, you know, the rest of the family, by caring for for the ones that they left behind. It's not really a way that the scriptures speak, typically. It is a way we talk a lot, I think. Uh, you know, one of the greater concerns we tend to say about dying that we have is the idea of, well, who's going to care for my family? And that's our concern. And I'm not saying that's a wrong concern, but when you're actually dead, that concern wouldn't be there. Uh, you would be resting in the Lord. Uh, and that concern is no longer a part of, of the world that you'd be a part of any longer. So it is a comment, though, that Naomi makes here. Um, and then we get to the, the next part of that. And she says that he is a relative of ours, one of our redeemers. For that, I want to point you to the study Bible here, which has a section on redeemers. A redeemer's responsibilities included the following. First, buying back the estate of a deceased relative, Leviticus 25, Jeremiah 32. Second, buying back an impoverished relative who had to sell himself into slavery, Leviticus 25. Third, receiving restitution for a crime whose victim was deceased, Numbers 5. And fourth, avenging the willful, non-accidental killing of his relative by executing the murderer for whom there was no ransom, Numbers 35, Deuteronomy 19. Although this fourth practice was probably replaced by due procedure in criminal court during the monarchy. Fifth, as implied in non-legal literature, the Redeemer evidently also had the customary duty to assist the relative in a lawsuit. So, kinsman redeemer is the phrase here that we're, we're looking at, and it's it's that idea of, of rescuing your relative. And Boaz is going to do that for her as we see play out in the rest of the book. But as you talk about this with your children, you can ask them, who is our redeemer? That's one of the titles that we've given to Jesus. And so suddenly you can see the picture here as you go back to the study Bible's footnote. Um, the second one, buying back an impoverished relative who had sold himself into slavery. The practice in that day, in that era of, of God's people, was that if you could no longer care for yourself, you sold yourself into slavery to another. Um, in order that you would be provided for, you would be cared for. You would work for them, but they would give you roof, shelter, clothing, that kind of stuff, food. You would survive, whereas on your own, you might starve to death. So there's a process there. And the Redeemer, then, a family member, could buy that person back, restore them to the family again. The picture that we have of our sin is that we sold ourselves to sin we enslaved ourselves to our sin and that Jesus has redeemed us. He has bought us back from sin with his own blood. Um, so there's your connection here, um, certainly that we can see. And we'll talk about again as we see that, that word come up. Is that chapter three or is that chapter four? That's chapter four. Okay, so two days from now. 
the end of the text today, Naomi says, it is good, my daughter, um, telling her to continue this process. And so she does. Ruth continues to glean at Boaz's field, both through the barley season and also through the wheat harvest. And the barley harvest, again, as we mentioned yesterday, is the idea of March and April. But now the wheat harvest, that's going to be May and June. Uh, so this is going on for a few months. And as it goes on, she continues to live with Naomi, fulfilling that vow that she made back in chapter one, that she would always be faithful to her mother-in-law. Thank you.